so Lewis, our postmaster general, pulled the team together and said, we need a plan. And we need a plan for the next 250 years. And the plan isn't shrink. The plan is make sure that we can serve the American people with mail and packages into the future. And that became the Delivering for America plan. And it is truly transformational. It's a 10-year plan. It's well laid out. And I think, Maria, you nailed it at the beginning. You know, it's it's a lot about change and a lot of adapting, but we had to change everything. We are changing the, you know, you can change processes, you can change lots of things, but if you don't change the underlying culture and if you don't have everybody aligned to the same vision, you're not gonna get there. You're listening to Transform Talks, a podcast about global supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, a fast-growing network of over 130,000 supply chain and manufacturing executives worldwide. Now on this show, I'm going to be interviewing and having conversations with some of the biggest names in supply chain and business, where we're going to be discussing topics around digitization, transformation, leadership, technology, business models, diversity, sustainability, and much, much more. Welcome back to Transform Talks. As you all know, this podcast is about transformation. We kind of talk about it a lot. More importantly, we all hear about transformation horror stories, or at best, transformations that haven't really stacked up to what was promised. Most companies transform little by little or department by department, and that has its own challenges. But what does it look like to transform your entire business all at once, especially during the chaos of the last few years? In this episode, we're going to hear about a 250-year-old business with over 640,000 employees trying to do just that. This week, I sit down with someone who's in the midst of a complete transformation journey. Jacqueline Stracco is the Chief Commerce and Business Solutions Officer and Executive Vice President of the United States Postal Service. Two and a half years ago, the United States Postal Service took the decision to embark on a 10-year strategic plan to modernize and revitalize its business, which they're aptly naming Delivering for America. Throughout this episode, I find out more about the work that has gone on into this transformation project, and I also get Jackie's thoughts on the best way to create clear career pathways for women in this space. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to Transform Talks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Maria. Great to see you again. I know it's been a while. You and I last saw each other, was it in Philly when we were at Home Delivery World? Yes, it feels like yesterday. So yeah, it was a great conference. It was, and I think I really enjoyed the chance of uh, sitting down with you on stage, talking to you about what's been going on. So maybe it's best if I set the scene for our audience here. Tell me a little bit about your role, what you do, what's going on, what's going on in your world? Oh, well, our world's exciting. So um, I am, um, you know, I'm with the U.S. Postal Service, and I'm what we call the Chief Commerce and Business Solutions Officer. So I have an exciting role in our organization. My team and I are really responsible for four huge, huge things. First and foremost, shipping products. So whether it's for the consumer or the micro business or for, you know, a huge business, we design what our shipping products are. So that's pretty exciting because we've, we've been evolving our products. So that's super um, exciting and a lot of energy that my team has around that. 
we also were doing a lot of work around our Delivering for America plan, which is really reinventing our network and modernizing our network. So my team and I have the privilege of looking at the assets and looking at the network and figuring out how to leverage those existing assets to create some new access points and some new interesting solutions to meet customers' needs. And then on those assets, we're creating really cool, unique solutions for our customers. And then last but not least, we own the responsibility of our customers partnering with them and supporting them in their shipping success. So I've got a really great team of engineers and operations people and a lot of great customer and sales relationship folks. So an awesome team serving the American public and shipping shipping clients. Okay, so our audience is global. Okay, so for per perspective, why don't you tell us how big the U.S. Postal Service is? You know, give, it, give us an idea of how, what kind of organization are we talking about here? Yeah, we're pretty huge. Really not a technical term, but we're pretty huge. I'd have to I'd have to refresh myself on the stats, but I believe we deliver more than 50% of the world's mail and packages. So we're significant on the terms of scale. Um, if you just think of the geographic area the US covers, um, we have 165 million addresses that we deliver, whether it's a home or a business. So we're delivering, and by law now, we deliver 165 million addresses six days per week. And it's an integrated mail as well as a shipping network. So our carriers, when they're out on her or his route, they're delivering both mail and packages as they're doing their, their daily ship. So it's, it's huge. In terms of a retail footprint, we have 33,000 post offices or retail centers, which if you think of a Starbucks or a Walmart, we have more retail outlets in the U.S. We have more retail outlets than they do. So our scope and scale is huge in that regard. We employ 640,000 plus employees. And I say plus because it fluctuates throughout the year, especially as we're running into running up to peak season. So we employ about 640,000 people year round. So we've got a tremendous workforce. We are obviously in every community. Uh, so we employ people in every community. We have a tremendous network. So we've got 400 plus, and we're on the downsizing, but 400 plus processing facilities located geographically across the country. So we serve what we call our domestic business is the 48 contiguous plus Alaska, Hawaii, and Puerto Rico. Um, and then obviously we have our footprint where we're you know, import and export with our trading partners, generally speaking, the posts from around the world. So we've got a significant footprint. Wow. Okay. So not small, huge technical term. Um, <laughs> and I remember last time we spoke, you were talking about a new product launch that was coming up. It was going to be this big thing. And you told me it was hush hush and I, you know, wait, wait to see what happens. So tell us all about it. Yeah. So thank you. Um, July 9th, we did launch this new product and it's called Ground Advantage. And for us, absolutely transformational. As I mentioned earlier, we've got something we call the Delivering for America plan. So we, the Postal Service is we're older than the U.S., 
we we're actually part of the U.S. Constitution, but we were formed before the you know America was really formed. So we're two hundred and fifty year old organization. We have had to transform over time. You know, we used to have the Pony Express and delivering you know by by pony, and we're not in that world anymore. So what we're doing with the Delivering for America plan, it's a ten year plan that's all about our transformation and it's modernizing our network. And our network, as I said, is bulk mail and packages. So as part of that network evolution, we are modernizing our network. And we were operating, which is inefficient, multiple networks within our organization. So what we were able to do with the Delivering for America implementation, we were able to actually merge two huge networks, two separate and distinct networks into one network. So in April, we had laid down a complete, in the 48 contiguous states, we laid down a full end-to-end ground network. By doing so, we were able to close down one whole network, merge everything together, and we're able to offer what we call ground advantage. So it's a great new product that is connecting the country, and we're able to offer an affordable and extremely reliable two to five days certain delivery product, which is really, really having a big impact in the market. The reaction to the product has been staggering. Our growth rates have been triple digit. It's been exciting to see, and it's really been a game changer, at least in the States with everything that's going on here. And I know abroad with, you know, high competitive pressures with, you know, inflation really hitting people's bottom line. It really offers a great solution where every business of every size has a product that meets their needs from a cost and speed perspective so that they can compete and compete effectively in the marketplace. I mean, a lot of questions spring to mind, but the first one that that jumps out at me is the fact that this is a 250-year-old institution. You don't see a lot of those, not in the States, and you don't see a lot of those in the world. So how in the world do you get an institution that old to transform to the modern age. I mean, that when transformations are hitting, you know, left, right, and center, there are a lot of headaches with regards to transforming any business, but an, a business that is a quarter of a millennia year old is quite a big feat. So maybe walk us through some of those maybe challenges, learnings that you've had around that. And there's a lot of both as we've gone on this journey. So, you know, I'll, I'll kind of start with the beginning. We have been around for 250 years, so we have had to evolve with the changing economy since the get-go. So our rule mandate is to bind the nation together. And you know, I like to think of the Postal Service as their original e-com you know, provider. Years and years and years ago, there was the, in the U.S., it was the Sears and Roebuck catalog. I remember it. I remember it. Do you remember it? Of course. You know, corner the pages of what you wanted and your mom would get a layaway plan set up and you'd order something and you'd get something in. It was the best Christmas shopping list ever. You would just go through it and say, I want that. I want this. It was like, you'd help you dream big. But anyway, we're sidetracked. Go on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dream for everything in that one. And you could buy everything. You could buy a house in the Sears and Robot catalog. You you could get it all. So definitely the, the predecessor to everything. So we've had to evolve, you know, because the country kept changing. So our original role mandate, bind the nation together. So at first it was communications. 
And, you know, we had to, you know, evolve as transportation evolved. You know, first it was by horseback, then it was by train, then it was by, you know, car and, and plane and, you know, all sorts of evolution. So we've constantly had to reinvent ourselves and evolve with the country. And again, primarily we were a communications mechanism, but very quickly we were a center of commerce. So it was how business was transacted. Um, and then it just really evolved into how to get goods and services, you know, as people were settling new parts of the states, how did, how did things get to them that they needed? So we really had to evolve over time. And believe me, we've had some things that we've tried that haven't worked. Uh, we did, Maria, we delivered children for a while. You could affix, you know, a postage stamp to a, a, a you know, little kid's outfit and off they go. Um, that didn't last very long. Not really a good business plan. But we've evolved. So I think we've got a deeply rooted tradition that we have to evolve. And with our role mandate to serve the American people, bind a nation together, there's no option. We will evolve. So we, we really, you know, from a postal perspective, all the posts share the same thing as, as um, you know, the Internet came and different ways of communicating. You know, the demand for mail really started to decrease. So we started to see our revenue, you know, substantially change. And then we started to see really e-commerce really take off. So over the years, we've had to evolve with that change. But fast forward to where we were a couple of years ago is the pandemic. And we were already not in a great financial spot as a postal service. We were having to be very prudent about where we spend our money. And we're an entity of the government. So the revenue we take in is all that we get. We're not funded by the government. We're regulated by the government, but that's it. No funding comes from them. So we're self-sufficient. So COVID hit and you know we were all in the industry seeing linear growth. And what we saw during COVID was huge stair-step growth, uh, labor challenges, everything else, because you know everybody was under lockdown and all of us in supply chain got to keep going and going and going. So we had um, our prior postmaster general had announced that she was leaving, uh, retiring from the postal service right before the pandemic hit. So our new postmaster general was hired and he's a logistics background guy, which was perfect. And when he came in, we were forecasted to be out of money by the end of, the, of, of our fiscal year by October. And he came in in June. So he came into really a, a tough situation for the organization and for the country, quite honestly, because postal service needs to keep going. So Lewis, our postmaster general, pulled the team together and said, we need a plan. And we need a plan for the next 250 years. And the plan isn't shrink. The plan is make sure that we can serve the American people with mail and packages into the future. And that became the Delivering for America plan. And it is truly transformational. It's a 10-year plan. It's well laid out. And I think, Maria, you nailed it at the beginning. You know, it's, it's a lot about change and a lot of adapting, but we had to change everything. We are changing the, you know, you can change processes, you can change lots of things, but if you don't change the underlying culture and if you don't have everybody aligned to the same vision, you're not going to get there. And that's part, the transformation plan is more than process, it's more than product changes, it's more than operational changes. It's how are we going to construct 
you know, our employee environment? How are we going to train, develop, and mentor our supervisors and leaders? How are we going to transform our operations um, and our products to meet the future state? How do we address the culture of the organization to be a successful culture in tomorrow's world as opposed to the past world? So our plan is extremely comprehensive. And like any plan of an organization of our size, it's going to take time. So our plan is laid out over two year, 10 years, and we're, we're about two and a half years in, and we're making great strides. I love what you said. I love, first of all, the idea of having a clear vision and mandate. That's number one is very important, it's that it's doable. I loved how you talked about failing and failing fast. Yeah, the idea of shipping children wasn't a good idea. Putting a postage stamp on your kid and sending them across the country to grandma's house. Not not good, but, it, you know, we can laugh about it now. But you're right. There's, you know, it failed, failed fast. I say that all the time. I love the idea of culture being at the heart of your transformational change. Because if you don't take people with you, if, you, if they're not on board with this mission, this vision to keep America with, you know, going. I, I just love it. And I think that a lot of organizations, the reasons they fail is because they're either fixated on technology and only technology or fixated on a mission and only the mission without under laying out a plan, even if it takes 10 years to fundamentally change the, the a business. So I really love everything about it. And like you said, it's a business that has been going on a long time. So you really need to transform it in, in a very big way. And then equally, I love the fact that the chips were up against, what is it? Chips are against the wall. No, it's not even what the saying is. Our back. Our back was up against the wall. Yeah. That's what it was. Thank you very much. But like, it, it really was tough times, wasn't it? You know, if, if, if the postmaster general came in and you were months away from losing quite a lot in a large scale institution as, as, uh, as sacred as the U.S. Postal Service is, that's hugely scary. And most people would like freeze in those environments and you you've come out stronger. We have. And I think that's a big tribute to our postmaster general, to our board, to the entire leadership team, but also to our team. Those 640,000 people I talked about, I mean, we're a mission driven company and people are very proud to be part of that mission. Um, we are, you know, like I said, we're in every community. We serve everybody. And during COVID, it really highlighted the role that we play in every post and every, you know, you know, all in our competitors as well. You know, what role we played in the country during, a, you know, a huge challenging time. So we've got very dedicated people who, you know, and I think especially today, people want to work for an organization and be part of something that's bigger than them and really has mission and purpose. So that to me is like our, you know, extra, extra, um, I don't know, bonus points in the transformation of this size because we already have that underlying commitment and the belief of where we're going. So it's just that extra energy every day that everybody has. And I think organizationally, we've done an awesome job of making sure regardless of the role you play in the organization, that you're aware that we are on a transformation journey and you are clear what that journey is, what that roadmap is, and that it will take us 10 years to get there. But this is what it looks like for me. This is what it looks like for our customers. 
this is what it looks like for 250 years to come. So it's been, you know, it's been a great um, initiative to be part of. And I hesitate to use initiative because it doesn't seem big enough as a word because it is a whole scale from the ground up led by the top through the organization to transform, you know, for 250 more years. It's exciting. Well, a large, a large scale organization with legacy systems, with legacy issues, historical issues as well. I mean, it, this is this is not an easy task. So it's it's not a, it's not a small undertaking. Um, one of those things that you and I talked about was from a sustainability perspective and your trucks. You remember you were telling me something about that. Tell, tell me. Uh, let's talk to our our audience about it. Tell us about it. Yeah. So, you know, this is what I usually do to show a hand. So since it's a podcast, we can't do that. So I'm going to do a virtual. I always ask people, does anybody in the room drive a vehicle to and from work or, you know, for running errands, taking the kids to school? Does anybody drive a vehicle over 25 years old? And I've gotten one person to raise their hand. One person in Missouri did raise their hand. That's what we were doing. We, because again, our financial situation, mail volume losses, package growth, we are not funded by the government. Whatever revenue we bring in is what we have. So we've been under financial challenges for a while. We have not been able to invest to replace our vehicles. And if you can imagine 33,000 post offices, 165 million delivery points, we've got a lot of vehicles out there that carriers are using to, to serve the people in their community. So we needed new vehicles and you know you know 25 plus year old vehicles are not great for the environment so we have done a lot of work and earlier when i talked about my team and one of the things that they're working on is leveraging our existing assets so we knew we needed new vehicles and we've had that in the works we were able you know we were looking at electric vehicles and how do you make them work and how do you make them work effectively effectively in our network we had identified as a team some assets that we had out there as we shrunk the mail network we had former mail processing plants that had become carrier operations but we still had more space in those carrier operations so what we decided to do as part of our network transformation is let's bring in more carriers from around the surrounding communities. Let's domicile them in that host post office, if you will. And we're making these sort and delivery centers. So a big, big carrier operation. And that allowed us to take our purchase of vehicles and move our amount that we were able to do and make the economics work to 66,000 of our vehicles are going to be electric vehicles. And the, that, you know, part of the whole electrification, you have to have of the vehicles, you have to have the, the infrastructure in your building so that you can power all those vehicles simultaneously because all those vehicles need to be out on the route at the same time. So with using this former asset that we were leveraging, you know, some not maximizing its potential, aggregating these carriers, we are now the power grid was there. It was a former processing plant for us. The power was there. So now we've modified and repurposed those facilities to be these delivery hubs, if you will. And that's where we're gonna put our 66,000 electric vehicles. So that's huge. We're super excited. 
about, you know, every, you know, we'd implemented the contract with our vendor and we had the contract constructed such that we could have either, you know, traditional gas or we could have electric, you know, just deposited in the same frame. So we were able to, over a course of time, increase from you know 10% up to 66,000 vehicles. So that's huge. So we're super excited about that. And the other thing we're really excited about in our network transformation, earlier I talked about how we were merged two networks into one, which allowed us to create our ground advantage. By doing that, we've been able to reduce a lot of trans ground transportation. And at the same time, we were very heavily reliant on air transportation to move mail as well as packages. Well, with our redefined ground network, we now have dramatically reduced the letters and the packages that we're putting up in the air, which is also helping us reduce you know, our carbon footprint. So everything that we're doing in our Delivering for America plan will make us more efficient and it will make sure that we're reducing our carbon footprint by, by the design of what we're doing. So the, the vehicles are icing on our cake. We've got a lot of work to do, but it, it's part of the overall transformation. And you know, you've got a lot going on. You have got a lot going on. Like we talked about, this transformation is enormous for any, in any organization, right? But one as, uh, as, as old as yours is, is quite a, a huge feat. You've had a very interesting career as well because you've been there a long time. I'm old, Maria. I'm old. I'm not suggesting <laughs> you're old. I'm saying you've been at this one place for a long time. You know, most people move around. They move around. You've had a, a, a long career at the U.S. Postal Service, which says a lot, and it's it speaks to the value of the institution, I think. But, you know, some of the things that I want to talk about a little bit briefly is, you know, getting more women into the space. What can companies do? What can organizations do? What have they done in your career to help attract women into the space? Yeah, that's a great question and a big passion of mine. Um, so my undergraduate degree is in industrial engineering. And I, you know, there were not many of us when I graduated in 1989. There weren't a lot of women. And I grew up in a family of four brothers. I was raised, you know, I didn't realize that there was a male-female thing. I just knew I was smarter and faster than the four of them. So that's what I knew. Um, but it's been a big passion of mine is to make sure that women are able to break through in whatever their career aspiration is. So the Postal Service has been phenomenal for me in my career. As you said, I've been here 35 years. And I, you know, I had choices when I um, made the decision to come to the Postal Service. There were great companies like 3M and Oscar Mayer and, you know, Maytag um, and Anderson Consulting. I turned down awesome companies because I wanted to come to the Postal Service. And there were, you know, two key reasons. I really liked the mission. I, you know, I wanted to be involved in something of this scope and scale. But the other part that was extremely attractive to me was the diversity that I saw when I was going through the interview process. There were women. I knew a woman who had been in college a year or two ahead of me who was an engineer with the Postal Service. And she shared with me her experiences and what she did. 
And in the interview process, I got to see, you know, you know, women and women leaders in the organization. And when I did other interviews, I didn't necessarily see the female presence. So that was part of the reason, you know, that I came to the Postal Service. And it has been um, an amazing career. I think one of the things, you know, as you said, we're huge. So 640,000 person organization, we have every position known to man. We actually have 2,000 different job titles in the organization, from forklift operator to lawyer to engineer to salesperson, you know, to, you know, carrier, you know, you name it, we've got it. You know, somebody driving the route, um, somebody fixing our equipment. So there's such great diversity and you know anymore people want to have a lot of different experiences and a lot of different careers i always tell people when i'm out there recruiting new engineers and things you can work for us for 35 years and have 30 different careers in that time if that's what you so choose so i know you know throughout my years i've always always tried to be conscious and deliberate that there are jackies out there you know that there are you know young women coming into the organization I had great, you know, I had great mentors and great people that reached out to me. I had a lot of people in my career who saw things in me that I didn't yet see in myself. And a lot of them were women Um, and them really pulling me forward and encouraging me to take on things and, you know, take a risk and, and lean in. And we're always there. And I think that's a great thing about the Postal Service. You know, a lot of us are around for 35 plus years. And it becomes, um, it's a huge network. And we have a lot of good developmental programs within the Postal Service, where throughout your career, you form different cohort groups throughout the organization, and they're your network for a lifetime. Male, female, people from different parts of the country, different, all, you know, all sorts of ethnic backgrounds, and just different, you know, diversity of thought. And, you know, we represent every community. We're in every community. We are everybody. So it's just been a great organization that I've never felt, you know, hey, I'm a woman and I need to push harder. I've been accepted from the get-go as a woman. And I think, you know, when I look at our workforce, 46% of our workforce are women, which I don't know how many companies can say that. And 51% are in the people in our organization are people of color. So we're a very diverse group. And I think that's part of what's made us so successful. And we've stayed the course you know, for 250 years and beyond because of what we do and how we do it. Clearly, representation matters, you know, so it, it, it definitely does. We've reached the end of our podcast. But before you go, I want to ask you a question that I ask everyone on this show, which is about a book. Is there any particular book that has made an impact on your life, whether it's a personal book, a professional book, any book? Well, I am a big closet, well, really not closet nerd. I love, I love data. I love analysis. I love being an engineer. There was a book, Maria, that really helped me because I could get a little too far into the weeds and things. There was a book, Visual Display of Quantitative Information by Edward Tufte. And it, for me, was game changing. It took complex information and he taught you through this book how to display it in a way that anybody could understand it. 
And it just really gave me a good way of thinking and taking complex things and putting it on paper because so many people are visual. So that one was an awesome book, changed how I communicated and approached. So one of my favorite books ever. On the other, on the personal side, I love historical fiction. I'm from Chicago, lived in Chicago most of my adult life. Devil in the White City, Eric Larson. Love it. If you haven't read it, get it. Great book. Haven't read it. I'm going to look into that. Oh, my God. I love a good historical fiction. Yes. Yeah. Anything by Eric Larson, I'm in. I'm going to look him up. Jackie, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for chatting. You and I could chat for a long time. I think next time we need to do it over dinner and a glass of wine. So hopefully we'll get to do that soon. Thanks for being on Transform Talks. Awesome. Thanks, Marie. And thanks for all you do for the industry, making us supply chain leaders better. So thank you. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I do hope you gained some valuable insight from this week's episode. To stay up to date with the latest developments, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at Transform Talks. Also, if you don't already follow me on LinkedIn, please do so now. I'm always keen to connect with supply chain and business leaders from around the world. You can find me by searching for Maria P. Villablanca. And if you're lucky, I may let you know what the P in my name stands for. In the meantime, wishing you a great week ahead. And as always, for those of you listening, I'll catch you at the next one.